Hello there. My name is Jamin Melanson, and welcome to my podcast entitled Reclaimed. Over the next several weeks, you will learn about how I have been reclaimed by God, and still am being reclaimed. My hope, however, is not that you will only learn about me, but you'll also learn about yourself. I'll be using personal stories and biblical stories to relate different truths about being reclaimed as we focus on learning humility, integrity, loyalty, and tranquility in our walk with Jesus. So grab your favorite beverage, something to munch on, and join me as we embark on this journey of being reclaimed. Part 2. Reclaimed by Integrity Integrity is making sure that the things you say and the things you do are in alignment. Katrina Mayer Chapter 8. Here Comes the Dreamer Every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember, you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. Harriet Tubman I was a weird boy growing up, and some would still argue I still am weird. And I remember creating vast stories in my mind and imagining them playing out in front of me. One time, while I was at our district camp, I sincerely believed I was in the midst of a war. And not just any war, but a war between transforming animals. I may have been inspired a little bit by Transformers, but that's neither here nor there. In this war, there were good animals. There was a wolf, who was my favorite animal, a raccoon, and a hawk. They're the three I remember for sure. I don't have a sweet clue who the evil animals were, but they were there. In the daytime, the animals... Again, all in my mind, pretending to be their natural forms, and that at night, they transform and fight the war against the evil animals who want to take over the forest at our district camp. My role in all this? To protect the identity of my animal friends. If any humans found out who they truly were, they'd be captured and studied for scientific purposes. I've achieved my goal. To this day, not one of my animal friends has been discovered. I soon graduated from imaginary storytelling to creating vast worlds with my Lego and action figures. It was during this time I incorporated my desire to be a husband and a father. The Lego characters I based off myself, who was a grey ninja, way before Ninjago was a thing. He was a leader of the band of Lego heroes with corresponding stuffed animals who could transform. Apparently, I really liked animals, and I really liked Transformers, so I just kept going with that motif. They fought against evil Lego figures who wanted to dominate the world with their stuffed animal allies. The war was intense. Some even lost their lives, while others found love and gave life to others. My Lego character and his wife had twin boys. One was named Alexander, and I believe the other was called Jace, though I'm not quite sure. And I used this story to help develop how I'd interact with my future kids. My character taught them how to interact with women respectfully, fight for what they believed in, and love with compassion. I looked forward to the day when I could do the same with my own children. As you can tell, two of my dreams as a young kid were to one day be a fictional author, and the other was to be a husband slash father. What were your dreams? 
Have you achieved them? Are you still working towards them? Or have you entirely given up on them? As we work through this chapter together, my prayer is that God will reawaken these dreams within you. Or maybe awaken a new dream. This is one of the ways our loving God reclaims us by integrity. The Dreamer In the book of Genesis, we find someone else who had dreams, literal dreams given to him by God. His name was Joseph. Joseph was the eleventh of twelve sons born to Jacob. Remember back a few weeks ago we talked about this guy who struggled with his identity? That's him. Joseph was the grandson to Isaac, the great-grandson of Abraham. His mother was Rachel, who was Jacob's first love. The meaning of his name means, may he, God, add. This was a prayer of Rachel's for God to give her another son, and God did. Unfortunately, Rachel died while giving birth to Benjamin, whose original name was Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow, and was later renamed Benjamin by his father, which means son of my right hand, as a way to honor Rachel. For those of us who know the story of Joseph, we often think about how he courageously rejected Potiphar's wife's advances and waited patiently for God to raise him up to leadership in Egypt. And while this did happen, Joseph was not always a perfect example. We are told in Genesis 37, when Joseph was 17, he'd work for his brothers tending sheep. He'd notice things and go home and tell his father all the bad stuff his brothers were doing. You likely all had a sibling like this. And if you haven't, that either means you were an only child, or it means that you were that sibling. And you'd be hard-pressed to try and argue Joseph was doing this with a sincere heart. Jacob's family was not perfect, which is the understatement of the century. For those of you who don't know, let me give you a quick recap. Buckle up, it's going to be a fast ride. When Jacob left his family after his brother Esau vowed to kill him, he came to his uncle Laban's house and he instantly fell in love with Rachel, who was his cousin. Remember, we need to interpret this from an Eastern perspective, not a Western perspective. This wasn't frowned on back then. Jacob worked seven years so that he could marry her, and we are told that for Jacob, it seemed to him but a few days. Man, it just grips you right in the heart. Unfortunately, for Jacob anyways, Rachel was the younger sister. And on their wedding night, Laban gave him Leah, the older sister, instead. Obviously, Jacob was furious, and he demanded Rachel. He married her a week later. Like, seriously, how is this not a movie? Like, how has no one made this story into a movie? It is intense. It's got everything. Anyways, altogether, Jacob gave birth to 12 sons. Since Joseph and Benjamin were the two sons of Rachel, they were his favorites. And the other 10 sons knew it. In Genesis 37.4, it says, But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest. They couldn't say a kind word to him. And this is when the dream started. In one dream, Joseph and his brothers were out in a field gathering grain. All of a sudden, his bundle of grain stood up and his brothers' bundles bowed before it. In the second dream, the sun, moon, and eleven stars bowed down before him. And Joseph shared these with his brothers. Probably, again, not with a sincere heart. Now, did these dreams come from God? 
I sincerely believe so, and we will later see why. However, we are not told anywhere that God told Joseph to share these with his brothers. Remember, his older brothers don't like him, and Joseph would rat on them while they did something wrong. Telling them the dreams was not the right action of a boy sharing what God had shown him. This was Joseph solidifying to them, Hey, not only am I dad's favorite, God even likes me better than you. He didn't quite use those words, but that's probably how it came across to the brothers. Sometime later, Jacob sent Joseph to go find his brothers and bring him back, and bring back a report to him. And I'm sure Joseph was eager to see what his brothers were doing wrong so he could tell his father all the juicy details. And when his brothers saw him coming, they exclaimed to one another, Oh look, here comes the dreamer. Now what the brothers did next was not right, even if it's a little understandable. Both Joseph and his brothers were about to embark on a journey to be reclaimed by integrity. Their initial plan was to outright kill him, and then lie to their father about it. However, they thought better, and they knew that this was not the right idea, even though that was how deep their hatred was for him. Reuben, who was the oldest, he interjected. He said, let's not kill Joseph. Let's place him in the empty well nearby, and he'll die of thirst and hunger, and we can go back and lie to father about what happened. However, Reuben was doing this in the hopes to rescue Joseph so that he can bring him back to Jacob. And the reason for this is not as honorable as you first think. He was trying to go back so that he could be back in his father's good graces for something he did wrong. And if you want to know what that was, read Genesis 35, 22. And so while Reuben is off planning his grand rescue and his reinstatement to being the firstborn, the other brothers, led by Judah decided to sell Joseph as a slave to some traders nearby. After all, Judah said, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. Man, how nice of you to save your brother from death, Judah, only to sell him away for money. That's true love right there. And thus, Joseph was sold off into slavery and his brothers were richer. The brothers dipped Joseph's robes, you know, the one of many colors, in goat's blood and showed their father, claiming a wild animal had killed him. We already know Jacob's side of this story. When we pick this up again, we'll look at Joseph's perspective. The Writer As I mentioned earlier, one of my dreams is to become an author of fiction. And that might be closer than I might think. Stay tuned for more details coming later on this year. Anyways, I mentioned how I created stories with my Lego figures. These stories eventually became the initial plot for my fantasy series called Palmera. I've been writing, researching, editing, rewriting, more editing, more researching, and so forth and on and off for the past 17 years. Through the years, it changed drastically. Characters removed, and then they were added, plot lines changed, new ideas were implemented, the entire series was renamed, I even debated deleting the entire thing and just forgetting about it. Some of you may be wondering what this has to do with being reclaimed by integrity. I firmly believe my gift of writing and storytelling is from God, and therefore it is an act of being true to who I am and how God created me. 
Does that mean I think I'll be a top-of-the-line author? Not necessarily. I'm not opposed to the idea. But my obedience to write does not instantly correlate to being a New York Times bestseller. Back in 2017, in the summer, I was nearly finished with the first trilogy. And as I came to the conclusion of the series, I stopped. I wasn't happy with the story. And I knew it was because, for over a decade, decade, I was hemmed in by a story I originally created when I was a young teenager. So I rewrote book one. Yet still, something was missing. Originally, my books were set in our world, in the future. And as my characters and the story continue to grow, I know I couldn't stay in our world. So I created a new world, a fantasy world, where my story could unfold. Again, this meant rewriting the entire first book in the fall of 2020 to the spring of 2021. I've submitted my book to agents and I'll continue to do so until God leads me to the right person to help accomplish my dreams. I am ready to write book two, but I want to wait until book one is accepted before moving on. I have an entire world planned out in my journals, in my mind. There are many more books to come, but it starts with one. A quote from Stephen R. Lawhead, who's one of my favorite authors, in his book Merlin from the Pendragon Cycle, summarizes the reason why I want to write books. Perhaps it is how we are made. Perhaps words of truth reach us best through the heart. And stories and songs are the language of the heart. I want to use my stories to share words of truth with people. I want my stories to help make people see that they can make a difference in the world. And I want I don't want to rush this dream. In my own mind, I do wish I was published by now. However, I've had to learn and am still learning to be reclaimed by integrity by being true to myself and true to the giftings God has given me. In the past, there have been times where I tried to appease people with my writing and it ruined the story. Why? Because I wasn't being true to the story I had inside of me. I was trying to please everyone else and that's not the path of integrity. Once I realized this, I returned back to my roots and let the story flow. It's filled me with more joy than when I tried to write it to please others. So what is my story about? Let me give you the synopsis from my first book entitled Palmera, The Warden's Rise. I could give you an entire historical recap of the world, but I don't want to overwhelm you. If you do want to hear it, I'd be glad to fill you in though. I'll buy you a coffee and we can chat, and I can tell you all about it. But here it is. The future is always in motion. Any series of events can lead to a cascade of woes. In the world of Palmera, peace has stood for over a hundred years. To maintain this peace, Govan and his four friends, Cade, Varric, Jocelyn, and Kalis, are training to earn the coveted rank of Ninja Tear. Unbeknownst to them, the Wardens of Humanity are rising from their home in the mountains to threaten the peace of Palmera. Led by the insightful Riker, the Wardens want to replace the Ninja Tears and restore Palmera to a golden age of stability and order. War erupts, and Govant and his friends are forced to learn what it means to be a true Ninja Tear. For Govant, this means figuring out who he is, how to fix his strained relationship with his father, and if he should tell Kyra, the daughter of the Ninja Tear captain, that he loves her. For some, this may have piqued your interest, 
For others, it isn't your cup of tea, and that's fine. I know my books aren't for everyone. But I also know God has given me this gift, and I need to write it. And the way I've set up this podcast is inspired from Palmera. The Ninja Tears, who are the guardians of peace in Palmera, are built upon four tenets. Humility, integrity, loyalty, and tranquility. You may have picked up on this, but the first letter of each word spells HILT. H-I-L-T. This serves as a reminder to the Ninja Tears that the power they wield must be done so with these four tenets at the heart, or they risk being corrupted by the power that the world wants to offer them. This is why I built, reclaimed around these four tenets. They need to be part of me being reclaimed so I can be the best version of myself. And I don't know where this dream will take me. I may never become a published author, and I have to be alright with that. Wherever this dream leads, though, I need to be true to myself and true to God. The Reclaimed Dreamer In Egypt, Joseph was sold to a man named Potiphar, who was the captain of the palace guard. Joseph was forced to face reality, either let God reclaim him by integrity, or try to walk his own path. We're not told anything about Joseph's time between when he was sold and when he arrived in Egypt, so this is just my own thought. But it's possible Joseph spent his time praying and repenting before God. He realized his mistakes and knew he couldn't continue on the same path if he was going to survive as a slave in Egypt. And so, he let God reclaim him by his integrity. In chapter 39, we're told the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. God did not abandon Joseph. Instead, he went with him to Egypt and taught him the right and wrong things to do. And through this, Joseph matured. And this is what integrity does for us. It helps us to mature in our walk with God. As Joseph impressed Potiphar with his work and attitude, the Egyptian master gave him the honor of being his personal attendant. Joseph was in charge of the entire household. However, as with part of every being reclaimed, a test came for Joseph. Now, he had failed previous tests. Bragging to his brothers was not something he should have done. And sometimes we will fail a test, but God often brings it back around to give us a second, third, or 49th try to pass it. If we try to do it on our own power, we will fail every time. We pass when we let God reclaim us and work through us. The test came in the form of Potiphar's wife. She thought Joseph was handsome and wanted to sleep with him. She pressured him day after day and Joseph resisted. His integrity and loyalty to God was more important than fulfilling this desire. And I believe Joseph was tempted by this. Joseph didn't just shrug it off like Superman being punched by a normal human. I know we like to think of the biblical heroes as superheroes, but it only does them and us an injustice. We think we can never live up to that, when in reality, they struggled in many of the same ways we do. Joseph was tempted by the offer from Potiphar's wife, but he resisted. One day, when no one else was in the house, she tried to seduce him one last time. Joseph made the smart decision and literally ran away. Unfortunately, 
she grabbed his cloak in her hands and pulled it from him. She then used it as evidence to, to suggest that Joseph tried to rape her. And despite his proven track record, Potiphar believed her and Joseph was thrown into prison. Seems like an odd spot to be in if you let God reclaim you. Yet once again, God did not abandon Joseph. He used his circumstance to keep reclaiming him. God had a special plan set in motion for Joseph, and this was all done to prepare him for the job he'd soon have. In prison, Joseph was put in charge of all the other prisoners. Chapter 39 ends in the same way it begins. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. It was here, in prison, that Joseph interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker. At some point, Joseph learned his dreams and interpretation of dreams were not for his own purposes, but for God's glory. This shift is a clear indication of being reclaimed by integrity in his life. I'm not going to dig into the dreams. All we need to know is Joseph predicted correctly the baker was killed and the cupbearer restored to his position. Before they left, Joseph asked to be remembered. But he wasn't. At least not for two full years. After those two years, the pharaoh started having dreams, but didn't know their meaning. The cupbearer remembered Joseph, and the Hebrew slave was brought before the ruler of all of Egypt. After interpreting the dreams by relying on God, Joseph was made second in command over all of Egypt. The dreams showed seven good years of harvest, followed by seven years of severe famine. Joseph's job was to prepare the land for the famine, and he did. And when the famine hit, Egypt was known as a place to go and get grain. And guess who came? Yeah, that's right, Joseph's brothers. Remember Joseph's dream from when he was younger? When his brothers came before him looking for grain, they bowed. And Joseph didn't lord it over them. He didn't say, ha, told you so. Being reclaimed by integrity takes away our desire to always point out when we are right. Joseph took the opportunity to test his brothers to see if they had been reclaimed by integrity as well. There's a full story here, and I don't have time to repeat it all. The Bible gives these details in Genesis chapter 42 to 46. But under the leadership of Judah, the brothers eventually proved they had been reclaimed and were continuing to be reclaimed. Just like Joseph was, the broken family was finally reunited. Joseph could have chosen another path, and if he did, he probably would have been forgotten by history. But he didn't. He let God reclaim him by integrity. The Father Besides being an author, my other dream was to be a husband and a father. I'll get more into the husband bit in a later chapter. So right now I just want to talk about being a father. And I didn't expect this journey to be as long as it was. In January of 2015, Naomi discovered she was pregnant. She told me, we told her parents and my parents, and everyone was excited. But the first ultrasound wasn't promising. And the following day, Naomi miscarried our first child. We named her Maya Nova, meaning newly beloved. Five months later, in June 2015, it happened again. We named him Lucas Altair, which means Bright Eagle. We started to have doubts. 
we started to become afraid that we may never have a full-term pregnancy. People told us to keep trying and that one day we would have a kid. And while the platitude was nice, the words fell on empty ears and hearts. We still trusted God, though some days were very hard. December 2018 was almost the final straw. We didn't even know we were pregnant. Naomi wasn't feeling well and she went to the hospital only to find out we lost our third child. And in our grief, we didn't name them right away. We waited. All around us, our friends were having children. We didn't hate them for it, but deep down, we were jealous. Why can't we have kids too? Don't you want to bless us with children? God, is there something we've done wrong? And many more questions echoed through our minds. Now, let me pause here for a moment. If you need to, go grab a tissue. It's okay to cry. We did. However, before I continue, I want to share with you a revelation Naomi and I received from God recently. While playing a card game one night, we were talking about seeing our three children in heaven. Our dog started rubbing up against my leg, and our two cats were sitting nearby on the table. All three of our animals were given to us as gifts. Our two cats came weeks after our second miscarriage, and our dog came a year and a half before our third. Before we had all of our pets, we believed our first child was a girl and our second child was a boy, and we weren't positive about our third. And that's when it hit me. Our pets were gifts to represent the three children we had lost. In those years of struggling to have kids, our pets were our children. We spoiled them, we loved them, we cuddled them, we played with them, and even more. Our pets were not just here for our pleasure. They were gifts from God to fill the void in our hearts. They also act like children. They always sleep on my side of the bed. In fact, Lucy's behind me on our spare bed just sprawled out as much as she can be. Having a little nap and... Hector's on the outside of the door, scratching on it and whining because he wants in. He wants to lay up against my computer because it's his favorite thing to do for some weird reason. But it was like God was saying, I know you are hurting. And I know you can't see your children right now. You'll be with them one day, I promise. But until then, I want to bless you with these animals. They will bring you joy. They are my gifts to you. And since our dog Lucy is a girl, we knew our third child was a girl. So we named her Ashlyn Lily, meaning hope and pure. The calendar turned from December 2019 to January 2020. Ah yes, 2020. A year we will not forget for many reasons. Naomi and I were sitting in church and the pastor was preaching about surrendering things to God by bringing them to the altar. The place that very front of the room where people would go to pray. Naomi looked at me and said we need to surrender our desire to have children. I agreed. This was Sunday, January 19th, 2020. The next week in service, my father was present because we had a mission team meeting after church. I'm not going to go into too many details, but God has blessed my father with visions at various times in recent years. On this day, he received a vision of the Hebrew letter Aleph which is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. To him, it indicated a new beginning. And back in December of 2018, after our third miscarriage, we were told about a vision from a friend, and she said she saw us praying at the altar, 
and when we turned around, we had a baby boy in our arms. The name Ephraim, meaning fruitful, appeared, as well as October and 19. We didn't really know what to think at the time, especially when October 2019 came and we didn't have a child. But all this changed on February 28th, 2020. We were getting ready to go hang out with some friends and I heard crying coming from the bathroom. I didn't know what was happening. I ran in and Naomi was holding a positive pregnancy test in her hand and I started to cry as well. I just knew we weren't going to miscarry this child. At our first appointment, they told us we were about six weeks pregnant, which means we got pregnant after January 19th, the day we surrendered our desire to God. And guess what? Our due date was in October. And then COVID happened. Like, I honestly cannot wait for COVID to be a thing in the past. Because it sucked having a pregnant wife during COVID. I couldn't go to any appointments. I wasn't able to be there with Naomi when she heard the heartbeat, though she managed to go all super spy and record it for me. I wasn't at the 20-week ultrasound to see him become more fully developed. We couldn't have a huge party for our gender reveal when it was confirmed our child was indeed a boy. I was fearful of Naomi getting sick because I didn't want anything to hinder the development of our child, and this made me lean even more into God and trust Him. To me, it was as if God was saying, This child is my gift to you, and you need to see that I am the one taking care of everything, not you. I needed to be reminded that God was in control and that He was using this to reclaim me. As the due date grew closer, Naomi and I grew with anticipation to meet our son. On Sunday, October 18th, late at night, Naomi was admitted into the hospital. And in the early hours of October 19th, the inducement process began. And then at 7.05, on Wednesday, October 21st, our son, all 9 pounds and 4 ounces of him, was born. In military time, that's 19.05. The number 19 kept showing up everywhere. And we named him Caleb Matthias meaning faithful gift of God, because that is what he is. God has been faithful to us throughout the entire time, and this is just another one of his gifts to Naomi and I. And Caleb really is a dream come true. The True Dreamer God reclaims us by integrity with our dreams. He helps us figure out which dreams are true and which dreams aren't. And once we do, we need to surrender our dreams to Him. And this is the hard part. Our dreams are originally from Him. He does want you to fulfill them. Except these dreams are not meant to bring us glory and promote ourselves. These dreams are meant to glorify God and promote Him. And so when we surrender them to Him, It may take a while for them to happen, but that's good. Because through the process, God is reclaiming you and teaching you so that when the dreams come to fruition, you are ready for them with integrity. So what are your dreams? God wants you to dream big and outside the box. There is no dream too big for God. He is the true dreamer after all. Take some time. Write them out. Figure out your dreams. Put them on the wall. Put them in your phone. Tell other people. Some may think you're crazy. Good. God likes crazy dreams. As long as they bring glory to him. 
And once you know what your dreams are, it's time to surrender them to them. I've had to do this with my writing over and over because it's not just a one-time thing. It's a continual surrender. Sometimes I get too caught up in what it might mean for me to be a published author when God reminds me that I'm not living by integrity towards him with my dreams. And you saw what happened when we surrendered our dream to being parents. God worked. It isn't always right away. So be patient. Let God reclaim you in the time of waiting. You don't know what may be around the next corner. Thank you for joining me this week on Reclaimed and digging into Here Comes the Dreamer. How did God speak to you today? Do you have some dreams that you don't know may or may not come true? That you've kind of maybe pushed aside and you're not really pursuing them, but yet you still feel God is calling into them? Whatever it is, reach out and pray. Seek and find what God is leading. And wherever he's leading, I encourage you to let someone know so that you can share that with them. Because being reclaimed by God only works when we're open with ourselves and with others. And may the Lord be with you this week. I'm looking forward to having you join me next week as we talk about eternal covenant. Hanei Akhmatov. And we will see you soon, my friends. A couple of resources you can check out in regards to the chapter this week. Chase the Lion by Mark Batterson and Don't Give Up by Kyle Eidelman. <laughs>